This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Welcome back to Life Made Better, the podcast where we interview interesting people that not only inspire us, but so that we can find out how they made their life better and how we can learn from their story and challenges. Today, we have a very good friend of mine and an all-round good bloke, James Beiser. Eight years ago, James was an unmarried man living the bachelor life and running a business with his two good friends. He is now a husband and father of two very young children. He is set up and is running his own successful recruitment company, Raw Recruitment, with his wife, and he's recently bought a rather large house that he and his wife are renovating. This is a lot of changes in a short amount of time and comes with lots of unforeseen challenges, which I'm sure we're going to hear all about, James. Welcome, James. Please hey, ladies. Today. <laughs> Can you tell our audience a little bit more about you and your journey? Yeah, sure. So it started with a glint in my father's eye. Um, and then I, I, look, I grew up in the Cotswolds, uh, had, had an interesting growing up life, um, pretty tough divorce from parents. And yeah, grow, growing up was quite tough and eventually uh, went to, to a, a boarding school uh, and then went to university, kind of followed the escalator of life. And then after uh, uni, I, I moved to London, uh, where I've been for 16, 17 years. I'm now a married man, married to a lady called Morag, who's also my business partner. Uh, we run a, a small recruitment business uh, based in Wimbledon. Yeah, I've got two young kids. I've got a, uh, a girl who's almost seven, Beatrice, and I've got a little boy, um, Archie, who's very tough, very physical, uh, you know, almost three-year-old. A lot's happened in the last decade, certainly. You were mentioning that your wife is also your business partner, which I'm sure comes with many challenges uh, in both scenarios. But obviously, Fleur was saying in her intro that you were living that happy life as a bachelor. So how did you come across the love of your life? What was that? So I suppose for me, a lot of my friends had settled down. As I kind of mentioned in the beginning, I went to, went to an all boys boarding school. So kind of, you know, being good with the ladies wasn't a given, sadly. Uh, and, and so I did spend much of my kind of like 20s uh, as, a, as a single guy. And it was great fun. But I was always keen to meet somebody. And, you know, you'd kind of go out on a night out and you try and look for it. And invariably nothing came of it. And I actually met my wife by when I wasn't really looking for it, I joined an amateur dramatic society and I joined the Southfields theatre group. And I went there as a friend kind of asked me for a favor. And yeah, I met my wife Morag and we started dating, I suppose, I don't know, six, nine months after knowing each other. Uh, we probably went out of each other for, I know, about a year. And I proposed after a year of going out of her. So yeah, it all happened quite quickly. <laughs> and as friends, we were very pleased to see you had a new relationship and someone you were really happy with as well so that was always nice as good friends but as we said also in the introduction these are a lot of changes in a few years how can you explain how you've managed these changes or are you still managing these changes oh yeah all the time I'm I'm somebody who constantly looks back and analyzes what I've done I beat myself up quite a lot of as an, as an individual and there's definitely things I'd like to, to do better and definitely things I could address better in terms of the way I handle the changes. I mean, there is a lot going on. I mean, 
you know, obviously the, the family side, you know, the, ch- the kids constantly changing the ages, um, what they go through has a massive impact on, on our life. For example, you know, when they're, when they're young, the lack of sleep, you know, then you've got the kind of running the business and it's all going very smoothly and something like COVID's thrown into the works and suddenly you've got to deal with that. So everything is so dependent. My family life is very dependent on the business and the business is very dependent on the family life. So it's kind of all a big circle. I have to constantly juggle. I definitely can relate to that, James. So it's my little one woke up today at 4 a.m. So <laughs> eager, yeah. eager to face the days as you can call it. <laughs> so what sort of advice, because obviously, you know, you are quite an accomplished man. You are balancing your family, your wife, your job, and, and you know, balancing the job with your life, with your wife as a partner. So how do you do that? Do you have any tips to kind of keep the balance and ensure that, that you're happy across the board? I think there's a number of things that kind of, you know, when you kind of break it down, a lot of it just comes comes naturally. And, you know, when you've kind of asked me to be on the show, kind of kind of started thinking about how I put these things into practice. And there's a number of things I do. So I'm very organized uh, as an individual, both at work and at home. I mean, for example, if I was having a dinner party with friends, I would start cooking three days before. I'm not the kind of individual who start running around the kitchen on a Saturday, you know, panicking that I haven't yet picked up the potatoes or bought the wine or, you know, I, I'm super organized. And I think that helps because the biggest thing is all around time. And especially with the kids, I mean, my kids are getting to, to an age now, especially Beatrice, where it's constantly drop off here, pick up, you know, then do this, do that. They have routines. You know, if you're running around, everything comes so much more stressful. The other thing that I've really need is I need my sleep. I'm not a very nice person to be around if I'm tired. And having young children, especially, you know, my youngest, who, who's not been a very good sleeper since he's been born, I make sure I go to bed at nine o'clock at night just so that I can compensate for his early wakes. So I'm not, you know, I can deal with the day. Uh, and those are kind of, you know, very simple practices that I've, you know, I've been really disciplined with. And I think the other thing is, I'm quite selfish still. I need my own time. Uh, and whether that be go to the pub and let, you know, loose with my mates or whether I can get a game of golf in or, you know, play a game of squash. I try to think about my own happiness as well. And coming from a sales background, lastly, it's always having something to look forward to. So I never come back from a holiday not having another one already booked. I constantly need that something to look forward to and something to strive towards, something to work for, knowing that there's always a kind of a bit of enjoyment on the horizon. I like to say and, 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 you know, challenge that because it's something that Flair and I always keep banging on. And it's not that you've been selfish, it's that you can't pour from an empty cup. So you may think that you're going to the pub with the lads is something selfish, but actually it's something that you need to re-energize that part of your life. And it's so very important that we look after ourselves in whichever shape or form that is. For you, it might be going out with your friends and playing golf or going play squash, whatever. But if that is what helps you re-energize and then be able to come back home or come back to work and present the better version of you, then 100%, if not 200%, go and do it. And it should be one of your priorities. So, you know, by all means, anybody listening, spot what your me time is and what that means from you and ensure, as James was saying, if you're an organized person, that you organize that time and put it in for you because there's no other way you're going to be presenting us your best you if you haven't done that. It's so important when you've got a family and a business to be organized and have routines and have you time. But it's a very fine line between having too many expectations 
especially like you, you've got very high expectations of yourself and, and what you want to achieve. And coming from a place of appreciation and hoping to do things well, but not having that such high expectation you're always chasing is really, really important. And I know my husband's in the same business as you or started in the same business as you. And it's been a journey of teaching him that you don't always have to be striving to the next thing, but being able to enjoy where you're actually at, you know, enjoy those special moments. Otherwise, you're in a constant um, stress of achieving. And it's very able to get the balance between the two. How does that feel when I say that to you? Yeah, do you know what? It's really, that's something that really resonates with me, uh, perhaps more so in the last since COVID, if I'm honest, COVID in a weird way is showing you what's important about life and, you know, having the kids and spending more time with them. Um, you know, as we've mentioned, we've just moved house and that's certainly changed our kind of whole family dynamic. We're a lot more active as a family. We get to spend a lot more time. It's a lot more happy time. We don't feel as though we're living on top of each other as much. But I, I've forgotten the question, Fleur. <laughs> <laughs> And so basically that, you know, always chasing means you never actually... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there we go. I just, I just need a little reminder. I'm back. Um, where where yeah. do COVID does this to us, doesn't it? It throws you into that spiral. <laughs> <way>. <laughs> I just start waffling and I forget what I'm meant to be answering. Yeah, I mean, look, in terms of striving, um, you know, working in sales, uh, I think good salespeople tend to always have goals. I mentioned that beforehand and always have very defined, I want to have this, whether it's I want to drive that, live here, eat there, wear this, wear that, you know, it, that's how salespeople kind of work. It's constantly ticking off goals. But when you live and work in London, you know, where does the line finish? You're constantly always striving. There's always somebody who lives in a bigger house, drives a nicer car, has a bigger bank balance. Um, you know, it, there's always that. And I think now I've kind of got, to, I, I'm almost 40, so I'm turning 40 in a few weeks time. And I've almost in the last several months feel really content with where my life is at. And actually I don't, have any great desire to keep striving. I've got a huge mortgage to pay off. Uh, you know, I've got a school fees to keep paying and all these things that keep on pushing me and challenging me and, you know, making sure I work hard. But I don't now look and think, I really want to live there. I want to do that. Or I really want to drive an Aston Martin. You know, these, these things would be nice, of course, but I kind of feel quite content now because I think if you have the mentality where you keep on wanting to push yourself, it just, it just would never stop. And I'm not that individual. I do, I do want to enjoy life as well. Yeah. So it's a balance between the two, isn't it? The enjoyment and, you know, set those amount of hours a day where you do strive, but then you switch off and go, whatever the outcome is, I know that I've tried within those hours and life is happening. It's always ticking along. It's like being in that black cab, isn't it? It doesn't matter if you stop, it's still ticking along. So you've got to enjoy those precious moments. You don't want to be looking back and going, I was just striving on for the next thing, the next thing. And I think, like you said, when you come from a sales background, it's very much, you know, achieve, 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 next big thing, next big thing. And that is not good for people's emotional and mental health. It's just, it just becomes too much, especially when you're trying to have a relationship and have a relationship with your children, children don't work like that. They are in the moment and we have to be in the moment with them, don't we? Yeah, I agree. And I think having children as well, you know, you don't feel it before you have them, but they're a really good barometer of time because you suddenly look and think, I look and think, shit, you know, Beatrice is almost seven years old. Like, where's the time gone? And 
I look back at so many things and think, I wish I'd done that differently. I wish I'd been a better dad there. I wish I'd invested here. I wish I'd invested there. Uh, you know, but when you're in the moment, it's like, I've got something, I've got to do this. I've, I'm busy or, you know, my, my youngest, Archie, um, I mean, I, I'm obsessed with my phone and, it, you know, not talking about social media, like don't mind Instagram and stuff, but I'm always on it from a work point of view. Constantly, the first thing I do is get up in the morning, check emails. Last thing I do at night, check my emails. And even at the age of, two and a, you know, almost three, he says, dad, put, daddy, put your phone down, put your phone down. It's like, oh, that, I, I, and I feel really terrible. And yeah, I don't want to look back and think, God, I wasted, wasted their childhood when they've kind of moved out and think, you know, because I was focusing on making a tiny bit more money here or just something silly there. Yeah, it's having boundaries around it, isn't it? It's having boundaries around that phone time. So now I literally decide when I'm sitting down with dinner with the kids or, you know, when they're coming from school or when they come and talk to me, I physically put it out of my way. Because when we work for ourselves, it's so easy to be on the phone checking stuff all the time. And also before you go to sleep, you know, you do not get proper sleep if you've checked your phone before you go to bed. You don't get into the fourth stage of sleep, your REM sleep. So I even put the phone now in another room at, 8.30, 9 o'clock, so I know that I've got an hour to properly turn off my brain from work, from parents, WhatsApp, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just constant, constant. But what I'm also hearing, I think it's an interesting thing, is looking out for those triggers because I'm hearing that probably that's what caused you to look at your life right here, right now, and actually realize that you are content the way you are. You were saying there's always going to be somebody that drives a nicer car, house, has a nicer house. But is that moment when you look inside and realize that actually what you've got is good? And sometimes, even if most of the time, is more than good enough. And I like, like, you know, the fact that you were saying your son pointing out that you're always on the phone, that's a trigger that can immediately bring you back to reality and start spotting those things that quite honestly, as adults, we just don't realize. You just do it because it's something that comes kind of naturally. So it's great to look out for those pointers, so to speak, of people from outside that can tell you and help you realize things that you may have not. Definitely. I mentioned earlier, kind of really reflects on my life. And I'm very good at sometimes identifying what the problem is, but I'm not necessarily always very good at following through and listening to my own advice. And I think, you know, I'm kind of very much in that period where I kind of am self-aware and I want to make changes, but I'm trying and it's difficult because things become habit. But I do feel as though I am happier when I you know, listen to my advice, whether that's, you know, don't drink as much, exercise, use my phone less, spend more time with the kids, properly invest, you know, have conversations with my wife, you know, those small things that are free make you the happiest. But it's, you do get caught up in the moment. Sometimes it's very difficult and you kind of forget, but um, it's only kind of when you sit down and reflect that you think, mm, actually, I could improve. Yeah. And I think there's always, we can constantly improve, but like the first thing is the awareness, which you've obviously got. And the second thing is setting up practices and habits. It is a practice. All these things have to be subconscious, like cleaning your teeth. So if you say, right, every day at six o'clock, I'm going to have a cup of tea with my wife and we're not going to do anything but talk for 10 minutes, it becomes a habit. Or if you say every day at 7.30, I'm going to sit and read with my kids for 10 minutes, it becomes a habit. So it's putting in something you have to do anyway, or, you know, you're probably going to have a cup of tea in the day, you're going to put your kids to bed. And 
consciously set, tell yourself that I'm going to do this. And of course, there will be days and it slips, but it becomes more of a you know subconscious habit like me. I don't even think about getting up and not exercising. It's like cleaning my teeth for me because it's become such an ingrained habit. Same with me in meditation. I would never think of going through the day and not meditating because I do it every day at two o'clock is my, the time I like to do it. If I've got a client at two o'clock, then I'll push it before or after. But it becomes such a habit because it's practiced regularly. You know, habits don't just happen. They have to be practiced, basically. Anything you want to come good at. If you want to come good at football, you practice. If you want to come good at driving, you practice, don't you? But it's very easy to fall out of habit as well. You know, I used to do a lot of running and I was addicted to it. And, you know, you fall out of habit. And, you know, even the beginning of kind of lockdown, I was really good. I, I did my Joe Wicks uh, <laughs> four or five times a week religiously. And then, you know, when we moved or, you know, the kids started, you know, having various night um, terrors or just not going to bed or waking early you know the kind of lack of sleep th- throws everything out the window and before I know it, it's kind of two three months since I've actually did my first two weeks this morning for about <laughs> two months and it, it hurt but it's uh you kind of think god how do they fall out the habit and something can happen so quickly and you look back and you think god actually it hasn't happened quickly it's been three months since I've done that or two months yeah, so. moved, didn't you in the middle of that yeah we did move we push ourselves my parents always telling us off for uh, pushing ourselves i mean we we moved the week before we got married as well last time so yeah we kind of never do anything by halves but i kind of like that pressure yeah it's the balance though isn't it because stress is okay in small small doses but if it carries on the body will tell you with anxiety or illness that is the way of the body telling you to slow down and the body's clever in the mind the mind will keep going but the body will tell you yeah, I mean, I, I, you sort of mentioned anxiety, and that's one thing I really, really struggled with. Uh, it, it was horrible when I went through it, and I didn't know what was going on. And, and my kind of uh, anxiety manifested in two different ways. Firstly, I was scared to go to sleep, so I thought I was going to swallow my tongue. Uh, and the second was, you know, I literally could not drive. I was too scared of overtaking cars on the motorway, and I'd have to pull over and ask my wife to drive. And I felt so out of control and I'd get on the kind of internet and, you know, type in, you know, pretty much convince myself that I was about to die in 30 minutes kind of thing. But, you know, I went to the doctors and they, they told me that it was just because I was so exhausted. And both times I've had anxiety in my life has been around when the children have been really young and sleep has just kind of gone out the window. The more you talk about it, the more you realize that lots of people have had it. I mean, I spoke to your husband, uh, Fleur, and he, you know, he was telling me that he struggled from it. And then you speak to someone else. And it's almost that comfort in knowing that you're not alone that made it you know, easier to deal with. Um, he even said how eloquent I mean, Nick Bradley was, and he struggled with it as well. Nearly every single person I've coached has had some anxiety. Because anybody that's pushing themselves and wants to live a bigger, better life and really cares, they're overly stressing out their nervous system which is just a natural way of your body saying, slow down, it's too much. Yeah, that mind-body connection. Yeah, it was a horrible thing to go we're through. Not, we're human, we're not, we're, supposed to, we're not supposed to be on total go all the time, actually. If you were, think about it in primitive times, there would have been rest time and time to go and out and hunt. We're not supposed to be go, 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 with all this information coming in all of the time, totally stressing out our bodies because we're always comparing ourselves and wanting more and not thinking we're doing enough and constantly checking our phones, our brains don't turn off. So when we're that type of personality or we're living in those kind of circles, it's really important that we do take time to just switch off. And it doesn't, it only has to be 20 minutes of silence a day. 
even if it's to go for a walk in silence, it just allows your body to calm down and say everything's okay. Mm. But James, you also did two great things, which I want to to pick up on and, and share. Because I think, especially when you suffer from anxiety, A, because it shows in very different ways, you may have not seen that what was happening was a sign of anxiety. Like, you know, who would have thought that going to bed and having a fear of falling asleep because you're going to chat with your own tongue was, you know, a reflection of that anxiety. So I think on the first hand, you paid attention to those signs and you decided to take two steps. One, go and see a professional, a doctor in this case, who can help you with that. And the other one, which a lot of people are a bit afraid of, which is speaking out, like, you know, starting having conversations with some other people, like Fleur husband say, I'm having this, or like Nick also said with us, I'm experiencing this. And the sheer relief that can come from one, realizing that you're not alone, and is that strength in numbers, but also realizing that if some other people have had it and have overcome it, so can you. So I think like, you know, do not underestimate yourself on that front because you did two things who take, which take a lot of, of courage, so to speak, but can really make all the difference and help you go the other, reach the other side. Yeah, and when you've got anxiety, you always kind of live with it a little bit, don't you? Kind of, but you, it's a real awareness to manage your stress levels and manage that striving kind of element as well. It's actually okay to strive but not be attached to what you're striving for. Otherwise, it causes more fear in the body, actually. Yeah. I mean, the doctors actually gave me pills to take, but I kind of refused to take them because I didn't want to become dependent on them, even if it was just a kind of, I knew they might work or it might just be a case of I'm taking a pill. So, uh, you know, um, a placebo kind of thing effect. And I just didn't want to become dependent on things. I didn't take it. So actually I just listened to doctor's advice and I just started sleeping more, just exercise more, stop drinking as much, all those kind of little things. But I agree. Um, Sia's kind of point as well about talking about things. And I think as you become older, you become a little bit more confident in yourself and you're not so fussed about what other people think. And that's one thing that's kind of really helped me over the years, whether that be set up the business or we've had three miscarriages trying for children one before my first came and two when the second came which is why there's a four-year gap and it's one of those things that when you're going through it you feel horrific and you feel very alone and it's not until you start talking about it that you realize that so many other people have been through it as well and I've got friends going through exactly the same kind of frustrations and turmoil as we went through with it and I feel like when you can talk about things and open up it just really helps you identify that you're not alone because it's like sometimes the the feeling of it's only me that's in this position it makes everything so much worse it kind of grows and grows and grows but when you can talk about things you feel just feel like a a weight is lifted your shoulder I know that sounds incredibly cliche but that for me has helped me so much with dealing with anxiety the the the, just the the heartache of dealing with miscarriages Uh, and you talk about things you actually know it's a very standard thing to go through Mm, that's beautiful so would you say that that is one of the best resources that have helped you along the way one of them could be speaking out what which other ones would you say have you found useful in your journey 
I've always been a fairly uh, confident big character, certainly to a lot of, you know, that's the, the image I kind of give off. You know, deep down, I've always been someone who lacks confidence. I've struggled with that because I was put down by people growing up or because I was always, you know, overweight growing up and that kind of not my confidence as well. But for me, it was gaining confidence and that confidence came from my wife. Uh, she gave me the confidence to, understand, to kind of make me believe I could be better and could do things. And actually, one of the things bizarrely that has kind of given me confidence to believe in myself is through cooking. So I'd always read a recipe and always want to cook it, but I'd always tell myself it was too difficult before I cooked it. And now I'm, you know, I'm a pretty good home cook and there's nothing too technical, nothing too, you know, difficult or challenge that I wouldn't take on because I just look at it and think set of instructions. If that person can do it, I can do it. And if I fail, who cares? And that for me has been a massive learning curve. And the confidence my wife gave me initially, but the confidence through cooking and because cooking is a bit like life. You put a bit of this in, put a bit of that in, put a bit of this in, and then you put it in the oven and something comes out and it works. It tastes good. Or, you know, the souffle is risen and it's like, of course it has because life is a bit of a process and you follow a set of instructions or, you know, everything comes out all right in the end. Yeah. And that's actually a brilliant analogy, isn't it? If you take it step by step and break it down and actually look at other people of that it's been possible for. Actually, anything is possible if you're prepared to take the steps and break it down and do the work. Yeah, and not be scared to fail. And you learn from your mistakes because, you know, I've had plenty of souffles that haven't risen. You think, damn, I did that badly. I didn't, you know, beat the eggs too much or, you know. So you just learn, but, you know, what's the worst can happen? And, you know, I kind of look at that now with the business and everything. Yeah, of course, you know, there are days I think, you know, we're doing really well. And there are other days I think we could have done that better. Or we should have done this. Or we should have made that cool. But you learn from it and you try and implement it the next time I love you that. just feel more control yeah I love that just having a learner's mindset you know as long as I'm learning from this it's okay you know as long as I'm getting something out of this and I'm learning it's okay you know it's not a failure because I've learned from it I won't do it that way again I'll do it this way you can't learn unless you're prepared to take those steps and I think why everyone relates to you and everyone always says oh I love I call you Vish but James I love James it's because you're an empathetic guy and you wouldn't be so empathetic if you didn't have those feelings of not feeling good enough as a younger person. Because you can only relate to other people's feelings if you felt that yourself. So I think that's made you, you know, a better person. And, you know, I've always thought you're amazing. So it's good to see that you're more confident on the outside now because to everybody else, you've always, you know, been someone who people love to hang out with. So I think you should be a little bit more proud of yourself Thank you. <laughs> the guy that you've become. Um, so can you um, sum up in one sentence how you've made your life better, James? Yeah, that's pretty easy. And that, that's meeting my wife. Um, I mean, look, we argue like any couple and, you know, running a business and being married together is tough. But the one thing that, I, you know, hopefully I've given her some stuff over the time, years as well. But the one thing she's given me, it just comes down to confidence and believing myself. Uh, and yeah, for, for me, it's just, Believe in myself, not being scared to fail, and just yeah, giving it a good crack. What a healer love is! I think love is uh, always one thing that can heal all of us. So you know, even when we're with our children, when they're having a hard day with them, just love them, and everything will come out okay in the end. Where can people find you, our audience, if they wanted to keep in contact? Well, well, or- well being a recruiter, I spend my life on LinkedIn, so LinkedIn would be the best uh, place to find me. And you we'll pop that in the, in the comments. Sounds good. Thank you very much, ladies. I've enjoyed it. 
Thank you, James. Thank you for sharing your story. I know that people are going to, you know, learn from it and anybody especially who's having anxiety to know that people can get through it. We've had so many guests on the show that have said about anxiety. You know, one in four people now apparently are suffering from anxiety and they're the ones that actually are telling the doctors. So you can imagine how big the problem is in modern day living. It's one of the main problems. Stress and anxiety is huge the World Health Organization now said it's the number one problem of disease stress more than any other factors. So it is something that we're going to keep addressing and hopefully people will learn to slow down, talk to their friends and ask for help if they need it. So thanks to our audience for joining us for one more week. Thanks for showing us your love and appreciation and please share the love. Share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit from it. Like, leave a comment and subscribe. We look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, stay well, stay safe, stay inspired. Much love.